Lear has no memory of any time before a gang of street kids found her half dead, washed up in the harbor. But between the mysterious masked strangers tailing her, and the fact that her wanted poster has started appearing all over the city, she's not sure she wants to dig up her past. But some secrets just won't stay buried. Chapter 1 The drug dealer stopped in the middle of a dark alley, heart racing. He was sure he'd seen movement in the shadows. He was a coward and readily admitted as much. But even a brave criminal would have been scared on a night like this, with the police out in force, combing down every street for something, or maybe someone. He was considering calling off his rendezvous when a fist hit his chin, knocking him out. He crumpled to the trash-covered sidewalk with a faint groan. His attacker quickly rifled through his pockets, eyes impassive above a mask covering her mouth and nose. She tossed her long blue hair and hissed between her teeth, frustrated. Nothing. Damn it, Roger. Her lightly accented voice was deep for a girl and tight with anger. Moving with uncanny speed and grace, the girl leapt up onto the wall of the building next to her, finding seemingly invisible handholds as her gloves and boots stuck to the window glass. In a matter of minutes, she was bounding over the moonlit rooftops, heading for a particularly huge silo in the city's abandoned industrial area. When she reached it, she looked over each shoulder, checking that she hadn't been followed before opening a concealed door in the base. The girl slipped through it, then closed the door and leaned against it, catching her breath. The silo she'd just entered looked very different on the inside. Brightly lit, with several mezzanines and galleries connected by catwalks going up into the gloom near the roof. The walls were painted with a different mural on each floor, some of which weren't quite finished, and a clutter of crumpy furniture, toys, weapons, and art supplies filled the space. The roughly two dozen kids and teens scattered throughout the space sent up a raucous cheer when they saw her. One boy, in his late teens and likely the oldest, grinned at her through his floppy bangs. Did you find it, Lear? No. Everyone's faces fell. Why not? One little girl asked. The guy didn't have it, Lear said shortly. He must have handed it off right before I got there. Or it could be Roger is sending us on a wild goose chase again. The boy, Roger, stood up from the desk he'd been sitting at. You know I'm not, Lear. Then why wasn't it there? I don't know the boy snapped, finally getting angry. Maybe if you ever used the communication devices I made you, you'd have been able to help me make a plan B. Those things can get hacked, Roger. What if those weirdos on my tail overheard us? Roger crossed his arms. You're being paranoid again. I'm not paranoid. Leah ripped her mask off and threw it at him. He caught it. Then why do you never trust us, huh? He demanded. We're trying to help you. Well, you can take your help and toss it down the sewer. She threw down the backpack full of gadgets and weapons she'd been wearing, then sprinted out the door, slamming it behind her. Leah ran and ran, and didn't stop until she found a monorail station. Digging a crumpled ride pass out of her jeans pocket, she scanned it under the grimy silver scan lamp at the terminal and jumped on the train right before the doors closed. This late at night, the train was nearly empty. 
The automated self-driving monorails ran at all hours on three sets of tracks. One underground, one above ground, and one high in the air weaving through the city's skyscrapers. Roger had told her that. He had every single bit of engineering or tech knowledge about Port Nerona memorized. He would blush adorably and spout facts whenever he got nervous, which was a lot. And now, Leah was never going to see him again. She pulled up the hood of her sweater to hide her face as tears stung her eyes. She'd been silly to run off like that, but she sure as hell wasn't going back now. It was better this way. Being alone. Nobody to fight with. Nobody to wait for. Nobody who she had to protect from her mysterious past. Cautiously, Lear pulled up her sleeve, revealing the twisted, bulging network of burn scars on her forearm. Her other arm was just like it, as was her back, her neck, and her shoulders. They were completely healed now, not new and tender like a few months ago, when she'd first been taken in by Roger's gang after they found her washed up on the coast near the city. Well, he called it a gang. It seemed more like a family to Lear. They'd all been worried about her, rushing to care for her as soon as she woke up, and then trying to help her get her memories back when it was clear she had none. She still hadn't remembered anything from before they found her. Although, since her wanted poster had started appearing all over the city's public message screens, she wasn't sure she wanted to remember. Lear sighed, leaned her head back against the train's vibrating metal wall, and closed her eyes. It was just for a moment, just to have some processing time. When Lear woke up, it was near dawn and she was above ground, or more precisely, high in the air. On the highest monorail track in the city, the one that wound around the bases of the elite towers. The towers were the oldest part of the city, six gleaming spires made by ancient science mages to look like smooth needles of the six metallic colors. Silver, gold, copper, brass, platinum, and bronze. They'd stood unchanged for most of Port Nerona's history and housed the oldest, wealthiest families of every regime to rule the city. Currently, the elites lived there, right up at the top amongst the lower cloud banks, rarely venturing down to have to deal with the so-called rabble. They were also the ones who declared Lear public enemy number one. Being so close to them made her chest feel hot, tight and hot with anxiety and her feet itched to run away. As soon as the train finished its circuit of the towers and headed down into the rest of the city, Lear was on her feet and ready to leave. She was on her own now, and she had to remember it. She couldn't afford to let her guard down like this, and the first thing she needed was a disguise. Lear left the train at a brisk walk, trying to blend in with the scattered crowd of homebound night shift workers and hungover party people. She wiped her sweaty palms on her jeans, fighting a sudden wave of nausea as the smell of cooking meat from a food cart hit her nose. She hadn't been able to eat meat, ever. Just the smell always made her gag. The one time she'd forced herself to eat some bacon, she had only made it halfway through the second slice, before glancing at her scars, noticing the similarity, and heaving up her whole breakfast. Lear quickly changed direction, finally arriving at an all-night convenience store that looked like it had what she needed. She walked in, keeping her hood up and avoiding eye contact with the two scruffy, clearly drunk men arguing in one corner. May I help you? The AI, the AI checkout counter asked. 
It wasn't very well maintained, so the words were barely intelligible over their own glitchy static. Lear ignored it, walking right past to search the shelves herself. She wanted as few traces of her in the city's data system as possible. Roger would probably say this was overkill, but Roger wasn't here right now. Finally, she found what she was looking for. A pair of cheap, sparkly reading glasses and a few little packets of Insta-Dye hair gel in various shades of blonde. Using the wad of money she'd snatched from the drug dealer's pockets last night, she paid for her supplies, then headed for the store's tiny public bathroom. Lear flipped over and opened her pocket knife and started to work on her long hair, sawing away at the neon cobalt locks until she was left with a messy, chin-length bob. Then she opened the insta-dye packets and squeezed them out onto her head, working the slimy, jelly-like substance into her hair until it was thoroughly slicked down. The squelching noises it made on her hands would have been funny in any other situation. After washing her hands, Lear covered her ears, steeled herself, and stuck her head under the automatic hand dryer. The whooshing roar of air in her face was bad enough without the gel-covered strands of hair sticking to her skin. But finally, her hair was dry and convincingly blonde. She gave it a quick shake, then looked in the mirror to put on the glasses. A different girl stared back at her, looking lost and bewildered. Something still looked a bit too familiar about her, though. The hoodie. It was Roger's originally, and way too big, but she'd made it hers. Doodling symbols on it with sharpies and fraying the strings by chewing on them even ironing the crest patch of her favorite sports team onto the left sleeve. Lear bit her lip, fighting tears as she unzipped the sweater, rolled it up, and tossed it under the sink. It felt wrong, doing that to something that had essentially been her security blanket for the last few months. But sentimentality was a luxury she couldn't afford right now. Feeling unpleasantly vulnerable, she cleaned up the massive hair on the floor, then went out into the store again to make her last purchase. Several bottles of booster fuel, the common stimulant drink used by people who needed a safe but stronger alternative to espresso. She had nobody to watch her back now, so she'd need to sleep only when absolutely necessary. Now, she was ready. But ready for what? Finding out where she came from? Leaving the city? No, she couldn't do that. Even with the police on alert, she could survive here, and Port Nerono felt familiar somehow. Like her past life had been here, too. Guess I'm staying, then, she muttered to herself, as she headed out of the store and into the awakening world.